Pro Cannabis Media. Now it's time to move into our state-by-state roundup of cannabis news from coast to coast. Mississippi is one of the newer states that decriminalized cannabis and approved a medical program over the past year. That program launched this past week. And on June 1st, the first applicants for a medical card were submitted. One state that passed its medical law way back in 2008 was Michigan. And needless to say, that state has a mature market now. So here's our mature correspondent from that state, Rick Thompson. Hello, everyone. This is the Michigan Report with Rick Thompson on Weed Talk News. Let's begin. Well, it's money versus money in Menominee as cannabis companies battle it out over who won and who lost in the city's adult use retail licensing awards. Rise and the fire station were the big winners of the city's recreational cannabis retail licensing scheme. Loom, Higher Love, High Wire Farms, New Group, and Green Farm have filed suit to block the licenses, stating the city of Menominee failed to follow Open Meetings Act requirements and that there were illegal communications between the representatives for some companies and city officials. Former Michigan Attorney General Mike Cox represents RISE, one of the winners, and it was revealed he'd stopped by for a little chat in a private setting with the city manager. Now, the two men claim it was all friendly and there was no business discussed, but was there? We don't know, because RISE refuses to surrender documents to the losing cannabis firms, which would clarify if decisions had been made prior to that conversation or not. Now, the case resumes in court Thursday, and the judge has ordered RISE to play fair and give up the documents requested in this case. Now, do you have a predictive nutrient optimizing algorithm? Well, I do, but it's my belly telling me when I'm hungry. If you're in the business of raising cannabis plants, one Dearborn Heights company says they're looking for a better way to grow bouncy, beautiful buds with less water, fewer newts, and a smaller electric bill. Draz Canna, which sounds like a really bad villain name from a 007 movie, was idle until 2021, but now claims to be setting the global world of eco-friendly cultivation on fire. They believe their new method of constant monitoring can increase plant yield, quality, and taste for users of indoor or hybrid greenhouse technologies. I can't comment on the science of their endeavor, but included along with the company's May 27 press release, was a picture which doesn't really inspire confidence. Their high-tech system looks like a series of black Home Depot buckets set up in a standard basement hydro drip system with hoses held in place by duct tape. And we had more sophisticated systems at Big Daddy's in 2009. Here's a cautionary tale to those who would make bold claims about being an industry leader and make sure your supporting photography looks like an industry leader not like somebody who snapped an iPhone picture of their neighbor's homemade caregiver flood and drain setup. Uh, The Cannabis Regulatory Agency just this week announced their quarterly review meeting on June 16th and revealed the special subject for discussion at that meeting. Should Michigan's rules requiring flower products to be prepackaged? Should state rules not allow retailers to sell bulk flour. Hmm. Many cannabis retailers order flour in bulk and sell it 
deli style so customers can see what they're receiving prior to purchase and they weigh out and package each order fresh into the customer's specifications. Many cannabis consumers in Michigan refuse to purchase cannabis in prepackaged containers, which means a decision to require prepackaging will drive some back into the unregulated marketplace. Prepackaging is an environmentally unfriendly requirement. It increases the cost of cannabis to the consumer and eliminates the personal choice Michigan's regulated marketplace has so generously offered to date. A survey of internet respondents via social media shows most customers disfavor eliminating bulk flower purchases. Previous sessions of this nature have been held on remediation labeling and conversion oil. The CRA will take comments either in written format or in direct testimony at the meeting itself. Well, the first social consumption lounge open to the public has launched in Kalkaska, a small community in the northern lower peninsula. The Kalkushka Lounge is located right next door to the Botanical Company, a cannabis retailer, and was created as a joint venture between Boco and Real Leaf Solutions, which is a Kalkaska cannabis cultivator. The lounge allows indoor consumption of cannabis and food, both of which are available for delivery from local shops. The lounge is downtown and sits right on the main drag through town. I was invited to a special premiere for the lounge prior to its public opening on June 1st, and it is a fantastic place with a great design and wonderful people. Although the opening of Kalkushka is a win for the principals involved, it's a bigger win for the entire lounge industry, which is a brand new regulated license type in Michigan. In a year filled with firsts, this one really feels like a significant step forward. Congratulations, Kalkushka Lounge. And that's it for the Michigan Report with Rick Thompson on Weed Talk News. Fox News anchor Laura Ingram is one of the loudest conservative voices on that network, and she stirred up quite a flurry of comments after she said that she thinks the recent rash of mass shootings in the U.S., may be tied to the normalization of the legalization of cannabis in many states. Media Matters reports that Ingram said in a segment called the unintended consequences of normalizing pot should be considered a contributing factor to the violence that has rocked our nation. She then cited a New York Times report that the shooter in Uvalde was a cannabis consumer. And that report was later retracted from online edition of the Times. Ingram, though, who is no fan of the Times, believes it was pulled to protect the emerging multi-billion dollar cannabis industry. So let's go down to Florida to check in with Heather Allman from the Cannabis Law Report. Thank you, Elena. It's time for the weekly Florida report from We Talk News. I'm Heather Allman from Cannabis Law Report. CanPay has officially expanded its reach to nearly all of Florida's cannabis consumers. On June 2nd, Florida fully adopted CanPay, the largest legitimate payment network for cannabis merchants and consumers. Now the platform is accepted at 95% of the state's medical cannabis treatment centers, and nearly all of Florida's medical cannabis patients can opt to use CanPay at the register. For those unfamiliar, CanPay is an easy-to-use app that allows consumers to pay at retailers with a simple debit from their checking account. CanPay CEO Dustin Aid said, quote, we're thrilled to be able to offer all of Florida's cannabis consumers fast, free, and safer-than-cash transactions. 
Years of research have proven that cannabis has powerful anti-anxiety properties. In fact, a study conducted in 2018 by Washington State University and published in the Journal of Affective Disorders found that a single puff of cannabis that is high in CBD and low in THC was enough to reduce depression symptoms. Two puffs made patients feel less anxious, and after 10 puffs, they were less stressed. But much less is known about the specific ratio of cannabinoids that works best to alleviate anxiety. So how much cannabis is required to help reduce anxiety? Florida researchers intend to find out with a new large-scale medical cannabis study launched this week that will explore the best CBD-THC ratio for treatment of anxiety specifically. The study led by Florida Gulf Coast University, Relief App, and CANA-MD aims to further clarify what ratio works best. Researchers will track 1,000 patients who will report their experiences while using medical cannabis. These users agreed to take part in the research and over a course of 45 days will report before and after using cannabis products by answering daily anxiety-related questions using their smartphones. This will track details about cannabis use, side effects, and associated outcomes related to symptom relief. The study is not, however, asking participants to change how much cannabis they use. Lead researcher Nathan Pipitone says the study is preliminary groundwork that will open the door to allow more rigorous research. In other news, Curate, a cannabis IT and security services provider, announced on Monday it was expanding into the Florida cannabis market with the acquisition of the Coral Springs-based cannabis IT services firm Real Cloud Pros. According to CEO Eric Schlissel, Curate Services will help the state's MSOs maintain compliance, stabilize costs, and continue growth, but can also help smaller operators use technology and IT best practices to survive and compete. Since 2016, Curate has grown tremendously through strategic acquisition moves and partnerships with leading cannabis tech innovators in both software and hardware. Over the coming weeks, Curate will be working to smoothly transition RCP's clients to their system, and as a combined team, they will have the scale and expertise to serve the needs of the entire Florida cannabis market. Curate will also be taking the place of Real Pros as an exhibitor at the 6th Annual Cannabis Law Accounting and Business Event in Miami on June 3rd and 4th. That's a wrap for the We Talk News Florida Report. I'm Heather Allman from Cannabis Law Report. One thing that has been pretty consistent during this normalization of cannabis consumption in our country is as soon as voters give the thumbs up to adult use, gifting cannabis becomes commonplace. Connecticut Governor Ned Lamont is trying to stop that trend in his state by signing into a law a fine of $1,000 if you are caught gifting cannabis. Now you can still give cannabis as a gift free of charge, but don't charge $75 for a t-shirt and throw in an eighth of an ounce as a bonus. When legal states open their first legal adult use stores, this gifting practice usually stops. And we head up to Vermont now for the Green Mountain States Report with RN Jesse Lynn Dolan of Nurse Grown Organics. I'm Jesse Lynn Dolan from Nurse Grown Organics and Vermont Cannabis Nurses, and this is the We Talk News Vermont Report. The Vermont Cannabis Control Board approved seven more outdoor cultivation licenses, voted on a summer meeting schedule, and discussed fire safety with Vermont Division of Fire Safety Regional Manager Landon Wheeler. The board has received 226 license applications, 62 are incomplete, largely due to minor errors. One social equity applicant was denied because while the applicant was convicted many years ago for a cannabis offense, they were not incarcerated as a result of the conviction. 
bold decision by the board. Burlington's Burn Gallery is holding a summer bong sale throughout the month of June, so check it out. That's the Vermont Report for Weed Talk News. I'm Vermont's cannabis nurse, Jessie Lynn Dolan. Here in the Bay State of Massachusetts, you will find one of the nation's largest multi-state operators, Cure Relief. That company and five other MSOs are pooling their legal evidence to take on the federal cannabis laws. And in the meantime, the state has passed $3 billion in sales. Ron Marshallsea has our Massachusetts Cannabis Report. I'm Ron Marshallsea for Weed Talk News. This is the Massachusetts Cannabis Report. Cannabis Provisions Growing Facility in Sheffield has a room dedicated to growing five different strains of cloned cannabis plants. Cultivation Director Greg Chemdog-Shinovsky oversees the cloning process and says it only takes a few weeks for these plants to grow. And for the first time, about 500 of these clones will be available at Cannabis Provisions Store in Lee the first weekend in June. Shinovsky will be there to help people get started growing at home, and he says if you can grow good vegetables, you can grow just fine flour. Local cannabis testing laboratory, MCR Labs, has released a new testing suite designed to diagnose microbial issues in plants. With this new service, cultivators can prevent future outbreaks by being able to monitor their grow environment closely for any potential contamination sources, avoiding a full-on outbreak altogether. Jonathan Wenny, MCR's Director of Business Development, was quoted as saying, It's really a game changer for growers, as microbial outbreaks are not an if, but a when issue. The biggest value for them is identifying the specific species behind the outbreak. Once you know what species you're working with, you can develop a targeted remediation plan that's going to be much more effective than a generic remediative method. These tools are meant to provide cultivators with actionable data on their grow to aid in the production of happy, healthy plants. And finally, Tilt Holdings LLC announced their dispensary Commonwealth Alternative Care will be expanding its home delivery of medical and adult-use cannabis starting June 1st. The dispensary-to-door service started being primarily offered on the South Shore, but is now offered in South Boston, Cambridge, and Quincy, plus the surrounding areas. To serve this greater area, CAC expanded its relationship with Braxton Pistols, a locally woman-owned and veteran-managed social equity cannabis delivery operator. That's this week's Massachusetts Cannabis Report. For Weed Talk News, I'm Ron Marshallsea. Just in case you are keeping score at home, there are now 19 legal adult use states in the United States, and one of the newer ones is New Jersey. And many of the 18 medical dispensaries that are operating there got the first crack at the new adult use market. Well, it looks like Verano will be upping that total to 19. Jill Goldsbury has our New Jersey report. This week, Jersey City officials have expressed concerns about cannabis distributors in New Jersey City. The Jersey City Planning Board approved the application of Cannabis Place 420 Corp. To operate, which will operate an adult use cannabis dispensary at 1544 Kennedy Boulevard, which happens to be in close proximity to three schools, three public schools. And despite the concerns of parents and school officials, school trustee Lorenzo Richardson said a dispensary this close to schools is a recipe for disaster. However, under city regulations, a cannabis facility cannot be within 200 feet of a school or playground. Canvas Place actually happens to be more than 200 feet away. 
So we'll see how this plays out because the Board of Education Vice President Gina Bertabello urged the planning board to wait to approve. In other news, Massachusetts-based Uma Flowers is making the move to New Jersey. The dispensary has just been approved for to open in our garden state and they've been awarded a recreational license. And this will be, as I said, located in Morristown, New Jersey. It'll be Morristown's very first dispensary. It'll be located at 102 Ridgedale Avenue. And Uma Flowers, if you do know them from Massachusetts, they're located in Pepperell and they opened recently in December, founded by two sister-in-laws with a background in the health sector for the past five years. So welcome to New Jersey, Uma Flowers. We look forward to visiting you in the near future. I am Jill, and that's the New Jersey Cannabis Report for We Talk News. The first legal state in the nation, Washington State, has always been at the forefront of the cannabis industry, and that might be happening again. Josh Kincaid of the Talking Hedge tells us there is now a manufacturing company out there that has created a pre-roll tube from recycled material. Here's his report this week. I'm Josh Kincaid from the Talking Hedge with Washington State Cannabis Report for We Talk News. The cannabis industry is dealing with a lot of packaging waste, but a Washington cannabis company is manufacturing pre-rolled dube tubes from recycled material made locally for less than a cost to make overseas. Individual pre-roll joints come in plastic dube tubes that actually aren't recyclable. In California, Oregon, and Colorado, a quarter of a billion dollars in dube tubes were sold in just one 12-month period. And so if you think about that spread over the dozens of states that are regulating adult use cannabis and all of the material going into landfills, it gives you a sense of the scope of the problem. To break it down, there are some limiting options available to the biodegradable plastics that are really not priced to be on the market and are outliners. The majority of dube tubes that are made are non-recyclable plastic because it's cheaper. But even those that are made out of recyclable plastic, unfortunately, the recycling machines have openings that allow small items to fall through. So any piece of plastic smaller than three inches in size is going into a landfill. Washington State is trying really hard to reduce the amount of contamination or diversion of the supply chain from cannabis growers to retailers to consumers. But they weren't thinking about the combined impact of all that packaging going into landfills. The impact is, is going to be a reduction of single-use plastics, a quick turnaround time with zero-waste U.S. manufacturing. So Snowco Packaging is a leader in waste reduction impacts, and they're having invested in a mold that brings the most popular joint dube tube packaging from overseas to Everett, Washington, and they're making this child-resistant dube tube from 100% recycled polypropylene at a competitive price compared to overseas products with the potential to reduce over 40 tons of cannabis waste from landfills. Next week, you guys are going to find out more about Washington State's cannabis scene, but with that, we're going to have to roll up this Washington State Cannabis Report. I'm Josh Kincaid from the Talking Hedge, reporting for We Talk News. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe, or don't, and I'm out. And finally tonight, a study on the studies and research of cannabis. That's right. There's a new study published by the Journal of Cannabis Research that is looking at the more than 30,000 research studies on cannabis from 1879 to 2021. Believe it or not, there has been more than $1.5 billion dedicated to that cannabis research. Most of these studies have been conducted by agencies who are looking for dangers of the cannabis plant. 
In fact, this new study discovered the bias in some of those reports containing the words that are harm associated. Dependence, addictive, forensic, drug, and abuse were used more often than others. So while many of our policymakers are urging more research, the Journal of Cannabis Research wants to be able to conduct those studies without the bias of the substance abuse community. And that'll do it for this week's Weed Talk News. I'm Elena Pinto for Pro Cannabis Media. It's a whole new world of weed out there. Use it and research it responsibly. We'll see you next time. With that, we're going to roll this one up. I'm Josh Kincaid. This is The Talking Hedge. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Or don't. And I'm out. Don't forget to smash that like button on your way out. And check out these other videos that we've got. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, y'all. I'm Joe, host of Casually Baked the Podcast. If you're curious to explore the highly responsible side of cannabis, farming, and legalization, I'm here to help lighten the stigma and build your canna confidence. Download episodes now of Casually Baked the Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And journey with me through the evolving cannabis culture and discover how and why people like you are adding cannabis to their wellness toolkit. It's time to get casually baked.